Hi and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. We've all realized just how difficult it is to measure marketing ROI. And so in today's episode, we welcome Sam Melnick, VP Marketing Insights and Growth at Allocadia, a marketing performance management software provider, to share tips on implementing and executing B2B marketing strategies while measuring the right metrics. Sam is an analytically driven marketing leader with a keen ability to focus on details or specifics that help execute and distill marketing data at a higher and more strategic level. Welcome to the Sunny Side Up podcast, Sam. It's really good to have you here today. Why don't you start by taking us through your journey so far and also tell us a little bit about your current role at Allocadia. First of all, thanks for having me here. I always love these types of conversations. So my journey overall, so I say I've worn three hats throughout mm-hmm. my career. I've been a marketing practitioner. Most recently, I led the marketing organization at Alcadia for almost three years, and I've had held multiple marketing roles across my career. Customer-facing, so I actually was headed up a small customer success group at Lattice Engines, uh, where we mm-hmm. focused on predictive lead scoring, and then an industry analyst where I was at IDC in a group called the CMO Advisory Service, where we worked with large marketing organizations on Uh, marketing spend, organizational design, and of course, marketing measurement. I'd say the thing that kind of combines all three of these is uh, I've always been focused on helping marketers and topics like marketing measurement and marketing ROI. And in this role that I'm in now, which is market insights and growth, combined all three of these roles, almost like part customer and prospect, basically working with marketers to help them solve major problems and also working with marketing organizations, so that's the marketer, the solving problems is kind of the customer facing and then thought leadership or insights, which is the analyst. So I get to combine all three of those in one awesome role. That's pretty interesting. So it would be wonderful to hear about what a typical day at work is like for this kind of a role and what it's like for you right now at Allocadia. Sure. Well, I just shifted in this role three weeks ago, so I'm still defining the day <laughs> to a certain mm-hmm. extent. But typically, what a day will look like with me, Alicati is based in Vancouver, so Pacific time zone, whereas I'm based uh, on the East Coast, so East Coast time zone. So I try and start at least two or three days a week just writing to get mm-hmm. my thoughts on paper. So that's really key to kind of get that out there. Then we just try and either take on a couple of key projects that could be creating some sort of thought leadership or something for our uh, field facing sales or customer success organizations to be able to use with customers or kind of a thought of greater thought leadership project. And then finally, what I'll probably do is end up on calls that are externally facing with prospects and, or customers, which is helping them with problems and trying to solve that. And that could be anything again from uh, budget management, spend management, marketing finance alignment to solving for ROI measurements. Interesting. So it's pretty packed and it's probably a very busy week all the time, but that's how it is for most B2B marketers today. Interesting story. So as a marketing thought leader, we'd love to hear a little bit about your top performing strategies or campaigns, the key learnings from them, if you may, to share with the audience. I think the top performing strategies or campaigns, it's always a kind of a shift depending mm-hmm. on what the organizational goals are. But what I've seen work, and I'll even take a step back from something that's very tactical, but there's two things that we really focused in on when I was running marketing over at Alicadia. The first thing was telling our story through our customer's voice. So that means, can you get either using specific language or specific use cases that your customers are talking about, or literally having them speak for, speak about 
the problems you're solving as, as a, a provider. Prov- yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is there's just so much competition out there. Yeah. And the only way to rise above is through the customer's voice. Then the second mm-hmm. thing that we've seen really work well is finding the right co-marketing partners or the right folks to tell a similar story with. You want to broaden your reach. You want to have validation of your story and what essentially you're saying and doing that with other folks who have other audiences validates and expands what you're doing. So obviously today, especially given the B2B marketing dynamics today where personalization and authentic messaging is the need of the hour. What are one of the biggest challenges you're seeing marketing teams face when it comes to planning the outreach and messaging? And how do you suggest they optimize use of the right technology or tools to solve this issue? I think that's a loaded question. It's a good question. Mm -hmm. But I think when it comes to that personalization, it really starts with the data. You know, we, we began talking about ROI, but ROI is not the only use of data. There's mm-hmm. segmentation. There's an understanding of the database. There's an understanding of what parts of the database are responding in positive ways to specific messaging. And you can't do that without the data. So for me, I'm a huge advocate of setting almost like a data strategy, data model. So it's understanding mm-hmm. what questions are you trying to answer? What insights do you need to answer that? And then what technologies help you get that data and bring it together to give you those insights? So that's a mm-hmm. kind of quick answer. Hopefully I checked off all the boxes there. Absolutely. And the next question is very relevant at the moment because it addresses the next level of this when it comes to the adoption of MarTech or sales tech stacks. What do you see teams miss out when it comes to attribution and ROI today? So there's two things that I see them missing. First is they want to jump to the end too quickly. Mm-hmm. They want yeah. to answer, I have this data strategy model or framework. And step four is make better decisions and optimize outcomes. And that's where everyone wants to get to. But there's three stages before that. And they that too often they're skipping those steps. And they're trying to make decisions with inaccurate or no data. And that doesn't work well. I think in terms of attribution and ROI, to get more specific, what people are missing is they're too focused on kind of the R side in ROI. Mm-hmm. They're focused on Salesforce data or marketing automation data or tactical attribution. And they're forgetting this data point that is incredibly strategic and very controllable. And that's the I or the investment data. So they're not putting time and effort into spend data when that's half the equation. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the top metrics that you currently observe when you build out performance marketing strategies or more specifically when you measure your account-based marketing performance? So one thing that we're seeing people come up with, because like everyone wants this performance marketing, they all want ROI measurement. But the one thing that is challenging, particularly in B2B marketing, is that a sales cycle isn't necessarily linear and it's certainly not easy to get a one-to-one i spent these dollars i got this result so what i'm seeing a lot of customers do is try and define this measurement that they're calling return on intent so if you think about return on intent it's like you are spending dollars you're putting resources so time money effort into an activity and you're expecting to get something out of that that could be a you know increased website traffic you talk about abm it could be increased engagement against a specific set of accounts that might not be direct revenue but you've spent those dollars you've stated your intent or what you expect to get out of that then you can measure against that so i'm seeing some of the more advanced b2b marketing organizations move to measurements like that so they don't have to wait 6 or 9 months to see how many 
deal cycles closed, or they don't have to have arguments about revenue when revenue has been impacted by 12 different things and seven of them you can't even track. Hopefully that's helpful. Absolutely. So when it comes to running and implementing and executing multiple ABM campaigns at scale, what are some of the best practices you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to ABM campaigns at scale, I think the first thing is like with anything, with any sort of process or technology, you take a crawl, walk, run approach. Like if you try and just go to execute ABM campaigns and execute six of them or against multiple geos or multiple product lines, if you haven't put in the work to set up what the right framework is, what the right measurements are, what the right tools you're going to use, what the right process is, it won't work. It literally will not work. So if you think about ABM, you're not just asking marketing to take action. You're asking sales, sometimes account management or customer success to take action. And you have to be really clear on the actions to take, really confident in what your intended outcomes are. Again, they might work, they might not. And then you have to have a strong project management aspect of it because you're orchestrating a lot of different activities. So what I'd say, like, my biggest thing on executing multiple APM campaigns is having that structure, that process, that framework built out and having tested it before moving it to scale. Absolutely. Very relevant there. So before we end for the day, are there any key takeaways, a few words of advice you'd like to share as a parting thought? It could be on anything, work-life balance, marketing tips for new marketers, anything under the sun. Sure. How about I give you two? I'll give you one that's specific for marketing and I'll give you one that's that's a bit work-life. So for, that's for, wonderful. for marketing, I think, Awesome. So for marketing, regardless of you're selling to marketers like I do and marketing to marketers like I do, or it's a totally different industry, the answer is always in the field. Get with customers, get with prospects, make friends with sales, but get into the field and hear the questions and hear the pain that your company is solving or trying to solve. Like, There's no substitute for that information. And, and it's a really rewarding when you, when you start really getting in there and helping solve those pains. So that's my advice for marketers. Mm-hmm. My advice for more work life, I guess it's more work, but one of the things that I've seen be successful myself, and this is what I tell my team, is find areas that give you energy, whether that's in life or in work, and almost like write them down. And then when it comes time to make a change or comes time to try and determine where you want to spend your time, find places that check off as many of those boxes that give you energy as possible. That is so wonderful, Sam. I loved the last bit there. And thanks so much for taking the time to be on our podcast today. I'm pretty sure the audience is going to love your tips and insights. We'll have you back again sometime soon. But until then, have a sunny day, Sam. You as well. 